Uh, hi, everyone. Strahinia Stepanovic here. I'm going to talk about soybean fertility study we had last year in soybeans. We're repeating this study in 2020. And just to give you a brief history of why we did the study, um, when I first came into southwest Nebraska, a lot of farmers uh, were that I talked to uh, had the practice of chemigating nitrogen on soybeans later in the season. Now, there's a lot of research in eastern Nebraska and eastern Kansas that tells you that that's justified. But, um, you know, I just wanted to double check if, if that's really true. Uh, ran a few tests just to see if there's uh, any yield difference, and it turned out it wasn't. So I applied for a grant to um, Soybean Board, and they supported me in doing three on-farm research studies in 2017 to do the replicated uh, chemigation versus no chemigation on soybeans. We played a little bit with the rates applying uh, between 50 and 80 pounds and between R3 and R5. And what was really surprising, there was no difference in yield on any of the three locations, very different soils. Um, so uh, with that being said, no yield benefit, no protein benefit as well. And we couldn't find any residual nitrogen in the soil. So there was a little bit more nitrogen in the residue but that wasn't enough to justify the expense of applying nitrogen on uh, late season nitrogen in soybeans. So we wanted to keep uh, keep keep doing the research on this and, and on especially on fertility. At that time, Jimmy Frederick from Eastern Nebraska uh, he had the record yielding dryland soybeans with 138 bushels per acre, and he did not use any nitrogen. So he uh, used a lot of biological products, compost, etc. So uh, we started thinking maybe we're doing something wrong. Uh, he used, I believe, chicken manure and some other biological products. So um, is nitrogen fixation enough? Do we need to do something on a biological side? Uh, all those questions arose. And then we did um, compost in one of our agronomic studies that also dealt with planting dates and seeding rates and row spacing. And what we have found as uh, uh, very compelling evidence that that compost application gave us anywhere between zero to 12 bushel advantage. And we wanted to continue doing that fertility studies. We took this data to farmers and about 71% of them wanted to see some kind of fertility study the following year. So here we are. Um, we came up with the list of treatments uh, and we put out about 12 different uh, fertility treatments of soybeans. The control was just inoculant and the second control was uh, actually just urea and we applied 400 pounds of nitrogen in that plot so you must be this is not not for um, normal practice but we just wanted to make sure we have one plot that's not going to have nitrogen as a yield limiting factor so if there's another 50 to 100 pounds left behind that soybeans in the soil left that, uh, you know, if they leave more nitrogen than any other treatment, we would know nitrogen was not a limiting factor. So we then um, had the chicken manure and cow manure both uh, broadcast, and we were able to powder some of that manure and put it at the light array just with the seed. Uh, one of those things that came out in our previous studies is um, all the elements that we looked at in a tissue sampling were within the sufficiency level uh, except for one nutrient, and that was magnesium. So our first, uh, we incorporated two more treatments, uh, low and high magnesium rate. 
So that was the first thing to look at, just put magnesium out there. And then we contacted a lot of uh, local experts from local co-ops and their fertility uh, programs. So Aurora Co-op chimed in with their fertility program on soybeans as well as Nutrien and Kugler. And, and it was interesting to see they had some uh, micronutrients out there, specialty products, uh, fungicide-like product, products, growth promoters, and uh, foliar, uh, foliar fertilizer. So it was very interesting to kind of, we were really anxious to see if any of them is going to be uh, giving us that higher yield on soybeans. So here are the results. Um, first of all, the most surprising result was there was absolutely no yield difference between any of the fertility treatments. So inoculum only was as good as everything else. And there was no really a difference in yield protein. But what was really interesting in the study was, um, and, and by the way, on that nitrogen treatments where we applied for 100 pounds of nitrogen, there were still uh, 50, 60 pounds of nitrogen left in the soil, whereas all the other ones had about 20 pounds of nitrogen behind uh, after uh, in the soil after we harvested the crop. So nitrogen was not a limiting factor at all. And uh, water was not limiting factor. It, they were all watered. Uh, the soil moisture was monitored and we watered them regularly. And there was no difference in planting population or planting day. But what was really interesting is that in that place where we put the study, um, every 30 foot you would see um, a, a drop in pH going, we had a range of pH, soil pH ranging from five and a half to 8.2. So any given plot in that study, uh, you could have seen 0 0.3, 0 0.4, 1.5 difference in soil pH. And that was very, inter it was unintentional, but it was very interesting to see. And I'll just show you why. Because uh, despite that we didn't have differences in fertility treatments, I tried to plot out those um, uh, those plots. Uh, for example, this plot had this much pH and yielded that much. So after you do that uh, and plot out by soil pH, you quickly realize uh, how impactful uh, soil pH can be on soybean yield. So we had with this variety <coughs> uh, in soybean uh, when soybean pH was 7.5 7, uh, and over, we had 10 bushel yield decrease in soybeans. So you can kind of see those two clusters. What was also very interesting is the effect of soil pH on grain protein. The grain protein was about 1.5% lower at that 7.5 and over range for soil pH. We analyzed magnesium in tissue. I'm not going to talk about other nutrient, other uh, macronutrient, because none of them were limiting in a tissue, but magnesium was. We kind of anticipated this. And if you plot the tissue um, analysis over time, you can see that right around the R3 growth stage, uh, you can see the calcium uptake just kind of take off. And there was a lot of calcium, but at the same time, the magnesium uptake goes down. So that was that was kind of very interesting. And we thought maybe magnesium uptake was hindered somewhat by calcium uptake. So we wanted to see also, uh, you know, has pH affected, did pH affect the availability of 
magnesium. It turns out that concentration of calcium in the soil was at the high or oversufficiency level all the time, regardless of where you're at. Whereas soil um, magnesium in the soil was always at the lower sufficiency level. So those critical levels for magnesium were always at the lower end. So that was another thing. Um, and then we try kind of to look at, um, you know, what's, what's really changing. You can see that magnesium uh, concentration in the soil somewhat increases as the soil pH increases, which is the same for soil calcium. But you can see that here, um, when you look at the saturation ratio, we found also another interesting point that after the soil pH gets 7, 7 um, 6.7 right here, the calcium to magnesium ratio really starts to increase. So it goes, you know, from four, um, that ratio goes from four to about six between 6.7 pH and 8.0 pH. So that ratio really changes at those higher pH levels. And that stands also for ratio of potassium to magnesium. So a lot of guys that are trying to uh, fertilize with potassium, uh, I would really caution you against that. Uh, we have not seen any deficiency of potassium in the tissue. And among the micronutrient, uh, all of the nutrients were within the sufficiency levels, except for molybdenum, especially at the late reproductive stages. We know molybdenum is a critical part of the enzyme that does the nitrogen fixation. And at this point, we know the nitrogen fixation starts to decline. So is it possible that we need more molybdenum? That was the, another takeaway from this study. So we are repeating this study uh, again this year. We had the great year. We have another great year for soybean. Possibly this time we might see yielding 80, 90 bushels and we maybe see the difference in fertility treatments. So with that, I would like to encourage you to read the guide for soybean um, production in Western Nebraska that we published and you can read the more, this uh, study more in depth uh, is online published in CropWatch. And with that, I would like to answer any questions.